0: This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks.
1: All right, guys, it's time for yet another edition of—I uh, guess we can now say—award-winning podcast. Is that right? With our buddy Hawk Blogger Brian Nemhauser, uh, what's the deal, man? Are we—are we award winners now?
0: That's right, best of Western Washington, man!
1: Congratulations. You're talking about this podcast that we are doing right now.
0: Yeah, they, well, it, it, it all the Hawk Blogger podcasts, of ah, which this is probably right. the best. Yeah.
1: So it really has nothing to do with me, then, is what
0: you're saying. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I uh, wouldn't say that. But, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think we wouldn't be where we are without uh, a... <laughs> The, the the loud and proud voice yeah. of Dave Maul. Uh, here Thank I
1: am, all, uh, all feeling good about myself. He just kind of just tear me down, man. So <laughs> that's fine. Well, listen, congrats to you. That's an awesome uh, honor by the uh, the folks over at King 5. And I guess we can call this the Kristen Michael Memorial Edition uh, of yeah. the Softie Hawk Blogger podcast. Remind me about our wager, by the way. And is that wager still active?
0: I love that it took you this long to bring it up. That that's, uh, It actually took longer than I would have expected. I thought you'd kick off with that. So yeah. 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 Um, you know, luckily, you know, the only person that owes anyone anything in this in this uh, relationship is, is you still owe me dinner from mm. uh, from our initial bet. But uh, <laughs> in this case, the bet was if Christian Michael played a whole season as the feature running back of the Seahawks, that he'd have more yards than Marshawn Lynch's best season.
1: Right. Which, which was how many? Remind me.
0: Fifteen hundred and like thirty okay. something. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, he's unless, not going to play a whole season. Well, unless he comes back a third time. <laughs> Let's hope not. I yeah. think we're I think uh we we've seen enough and uh we've got enough uh uh alternatives um that are pretty exciting that I think we've seen at the last of Christmas.
1: Okay, Michael. so so just to be fair, so I I owe you dinner from a previous bet. Mm-hmm. And the bet that you and I had about the course of a year, Kristen Michael had to play a full year to even kick that wager in. That's right. So we're kind of we're kind of pushing in that regard.
0: That's right. That's right. I I definitely acknowledge that. Uh, you know, this guy never never did it. He never did it. And um, you know, it's one of those. I, I wrote this morning a little bit about it. I mean, I think there's whenever you you miscalculate something. There's an opportunity to learn. And and in this case, I think the thing I learned about Kristen and Michael and about the running back position is it doesn't matter how explosive you are, how elusive you are, if you're not willing to hit the right hole at the right time and do it the way that the coaches want it to be done. Yep. You're going to be on the street. Um, you know this isn't pickup basketball where the, the most talented player gets to run the, the court. Um, you've got to actually run the offense the way that the, the coordinators want it to be run. And, and I think that yeah. was where ultimately he just he couldn't do it. Yeah, I think it was fairly
1: obvious uh, that they had just lost faith in him in the last month or so. Uh, that that Niner game, he was great. But outside of that, it just felt like, I mean, the numbers show it, that week by week by week, his carries were dropping every single yeah. week, and they yeah. just did not have confidence in the guy. And people have asked, you know, look, the guy's averaging four yards a carry, he's got six touchdowns, and the Packers obviously have picked him up, and their run game might be even worse than the Seahawks is, uh, because they don't have a C.J. Proceis or Thomas Rawls to count on in Green Bay. But I, I surmised, and I, I i talked to Holmgren yesterday about this, that maybe they could have kept him. On the roster as a, as a third guy, but uh, I just don't think his attitude was going to accommodate being a third guy, and they just thought, you know what, if uh, if this is uh, what you're all about, then uh, we'll just move on.
0: Yeah, and and I don't know if you know saw the tweet I put when I was uh, at the the Patriots game and and during the pregame when the when the Seahawks ran out in the field and they all huddled up and they were, they were hopping, you know, doing their thing where they bounce up and down and yep. they're kind of getting themselves excited, you know, who was on the outside facing kind of the other direction, Kristen Michael. Yeah.
1: I saw that. Um, yep.
0: You know, I, I, think that, uh, you know, he, <laughs> there was not a lot of signs that he was going to handle any change to his role well. And frankly, you know, why not have a guy like Troy man Pope who, you know is all positive all excited will take in any opportunity he gets work his butt off and relish every every chance that's a great guy to add to the locker room and have in that position and plus I think he's got upside so uh, I think it's an easy decision for the Seahawks
1: well no doubt and with C Mike just to wrap up that portion of the podcast that conversation uh, I, I think they know what they have in Kristen Michael and they don't know there's there's some unknown there with Pope and Alex Collins That's and this, right. is, this is a glass half full staff you know that as well as I yep. so as long as they see potential in somebody else versus uh, kind of a finished product in somebody else they'll always go with the with the unknown guy but hey what a win on Sunday I gotta tell you I was on the air Friday and I did not have confidence at all that the Seahawks could go to Foxborough and win this game and and boy was I wrong I mean there are people that are calling it Kevin Harlan said it was the most impressive win of the year in the NFL I said on my show I think as far as regular season wins go for Pete Carroll I thought that was number one
0: yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, I, I've been racking my brain into the same kind of thing. Like, uh, it was funny. I, I was in the home ground, I think maybe even this morning. Um, one of the other impressive Seahawks wins I can remember wasn't with Pete Carroll, but it was back in, I think it was 2005, when the Seahawks went into Philadelphia and won 42 to nothing. Yep. You know, that was you know it was the kind of thing where I was like, whoa. Monday night, yep. <laughs> did not expect that. And um, look, I mean, how did you feel? You know, thirty seconds after the the Patriots took the ball down the field on their first possession, was oh. a touchdown.
1: Oh, I thought it was going to be a long night.
0: Yeah, of course. I, I mean, how I, did you feel? I, I know that's. I mean, that's exactly. I mean, my my son who I who I took the game with me it was a great experience. I highly, It was actually. I, I will recommend to folks. Um, I wasn't sure how Foxborough would be. I wasn't sure how Patriots fans would be. They were pretty classy. I, I would have to say, um, especially given what happened that night. But I he turned my son turned to me and he said how do you stop them? Like, what do you do? And I said, I have no idea. Like, it looks like when you have a a quarterback as good as Tom Brady with some of the, you know, um, receiving targets he's got, and he just never seems to make a bad decision and all his throws are short. It's like, how do you take it all away? And um, then they did it the next possession and they did it the following possession and like three possessions in a row where they didn't score. And it's like, wow. Um, it, it was it was super impressive, um, everything about that game, really. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, first of all, they, they had to get that next three and out, or the next stop uh, after the first drive went for seven. Uh, 10-19 to go first quarter, so for the next 55-19, they hold Tom Brady to 17 points and 310 yards of offense. I mean, obviously, Cam coming back was uh, incredible, and, and you can see the way Earl can play, by the way, with Cam back there versus Kelsey. McCray, Uh, I think he's he's a different player with number thirty-one back there. But I just think, and again, this is an obvious deal, but just let it soak in that they they went to New England and did this with a guy that many people think is the one of the best defensive linemen and maybe the best defensive player on this football team, and Michael Bennett. And you know what? If the offense could have handled things in the red zone all night long, they could have put forty on these
0: guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean this 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 was a game that should have been won handily by the Seahawks. They thoroughly outplayed them. Uh, uh, the post game radio for for Patriots radio, you know, someone's calling in complaining about this or that, and the the both the, the Patriots announcers said, "Look, who was the better team tonight? Who outplayed who?" And the caller said, "Seahawks." They both acknowledged that. They like everybody that watched that game, whether you're pro Seattle or against Seattle, Seattle was not just a little bit better. They were. Clearly, the better team um, in New England. You know that's not a neutral field. That's in New England, so it was huge. And, and you touched on Cam. Just talk about that for a second. I mean, you think one guy? How much can one guy make a difference? to eleven people. It's a team sport. He was everywhere, and he was lit, softy. I mean, he was, like they didn't show it on air, but after he forced that fumble um, from Edelman, yep. he ran straight to the Seahawks sideline laid on his back like a cra- an upside-down crap and was kicking his feet and punching the air like a little kid. I mean, wow. he was he was like I've never seen him before in terms of how into that game he was. And the play that nobody sees, a lot of people aren't talking about, is that final carry by Blunt when he dove and Chancellor came across the whole formation, grabbed his legs and pulled him back. He doesn't do that. It's a tie game. Blunt yeah. actually stopped yeah. midair and went backwards.
1: Well, that was impressive, that play you're talking about. But the most impressive single play of the game, in my opinion. What do you think I'm going to say here?
0: Uh, the hit on Gronk?
1: Frank Clark's one-arm sack. Oh, God. The man sack. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, he literally is being pushed away from Brady. Has to reach around with his left hand and grab him for the sack. There are not a lot of guys in the NFL that can do that, man.
0: No, and, and against Nate Solder, who's not a bad tackle, right? He pushed him back into the quarterback and reached around. It was, it was, and it was a huge time of the game to do it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But the
1: hit, uh, the hit by Irul on, on Gronkowski that uh, punctured his lung, which just sounds awful. Yeah, and Gronk is going to miss the Niners game this weekend he's not even flying to San Francisco Uh, I mean look it just it just felt to me and maybe this is just hyperbole it felt like with Cam back out there and with Russell as healthy as he's been since the opener and I said this on Twitter and a lot of people responded by saying hey the Hawks never went anywhere they're back Yep, they're back after Sunday
0: they are. They are. And, and, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, you and I had this conversation. This is when news came out about Bennett's injury and I published an article it's called keep calm and hawk on. And it was a stupid title, <laughs> but I went through and went, you know, everyone was so upset after the Saints game that this team and this offense is just never going to be anything. And this team is never going to do anything. Like there was a lot of chatter about that. And, They've done this every year. They just they 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 find their way. They're getting healthier, they're getting stronger. There's reason, there's legitimate reasons to have, you know, uh, optimistic feelings about how this thing's going to yeah. to grow. I don't even think they're at their best yet. So, yeah. you know, this game this weekend against the Eagles, you know, this is the last of this murderers row stretch that we've been talking about. They come away with the win against the Eagles. You know you're you're in really good shape to make a pretty yeah. dominant end of the season.
1: Well, they're six two and one right now. And by the way, going back to 2012, they're now 27 and six in the second half of the year, uh, starting with game nine. So they got obviously seven more to go. But that number could be more impressive by the end of the year. Just think about this: if if they go four and three in the final seven games of the year with wins at home over Arizona. And the Rams, they win the division.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well I you know, I still have to admit I've got my eyes on bigger things, right? Of course, right? of course. You do too. Yeah. I I think that um is it unrealistic to expect this team to run the table the rest of the year?
1: Uh unrealistic? Well, I mean, you're talking about winning it'd be what, uh nine games in a row, is that right? Because they lost the Saint game and then came back and beat Buffalo, is that right? The week after, yep. And then win the Patriot game. They got seven games left, so you, you're asking them to end the year on a nine-game winning streak, which I think for anybody in the NFL that's hard to do. I mean, you're you're, you're look. I mean, Carolina here doesn't look like the game that we thought it was going to be. Green Bay there doesn't look like the game we thought it was going to be. Uh, the Rams by the time they play them, who knows? The Cardinals by the time they, it wouldn't shock the hell out of me. But to expect them to end the year winning nine in a row, I, I would say that's a little bit too much.
0: So you know, is there is there a game left on the schedule you look at and you say that one's going to be a tough one to like go into the game? Are they going to be favored in every game the rest of the year? Probably yes. Yeah, that's I guess what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like they 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 may not win every game, but they should. Right, they should.
1: Well, even if they go six and one in their final seven, that's uh, that's twelve wins, right? I mean, that might not be enough to get the number one seed. The Cowboys are eight and one right now, and we'll see what happens with them. But I just think that what you said earlier about how they haven't even played their best football. I totally agree with that. I mean, number one, Bennett's uh, not playing, which is a huge loss for the defense. Number two, uh, you got a rookie left tackle who is going to start his fourth game on Sunday uh, against the Eagles. Number two or three, you got a rookie running back in CJ Proseis who really is just now finding his role in this offense. And then number four, Thomas Rawls has done nothing yet for this team this year. I mean, imagine when, when Rawls gets his legs and Prosize has been in the system for five, six weeks and Michael Bennett's back and George Fant is on start eight instead of start four. How much different this offense is going to be? And oh, by the way, Russell Wilson getting healthier every week. So I, I do believe their best football is in front of them.
0: I think that's right. I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, obviously it would be great to see the Seahawks get a number one seed. That would be the best. You can't do better. But if they end up with a number two seed, we're talking about a, a bye and then a home game, right? Right. And then from there, you'd likely be going to Dallas. And uh – just sign me up for that. Yeah, you know, I, yep. I, I, would, I would have every confidence that the Seahawks could, could go in there, and, and we'll, we'll talk about Dallas when we need to talk about Dallas. But, yeah. you know, I, I think the Seahawks are the better team, um, you know, in that matchup. So, well,
1: let's, uh, let's talk about the Eagles uh, because yeah. that's who the Hawks have this Sunday. Uh, I noticed that Philadelphia, by the way, third worst drop pass rate in the NFL. Uh, Carson Wentz was just awesome in the first month of the year and looks like he's kind of cooled off a bit. He's got a passer rating number. In the 80s. What, what concerns me about this game is for as much improvement as we've seen from that Seahawk offensive line, uh, you're going up against a defensive front that's got guys like Brandon Graham. And I'm having some flashbacks to the trouble the Hawks had in Arizona with those edge rushers. Uh, I don't know if Arizona's got a better front four than Philadelphia does, but I I think anytime you face a team that's got a guy that jumps off the page as a pass rusher, that to me is going to be a concern until it's not. Is that fair?
0: That's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. I think that's part of what's, uh, you know, I'd say not to be too Pete Carroll about this, but I think that's part of what's exciting about this game. It's, it's a chance to see if the offense has made a stride since the Arizona game. This is definitely the toughest offense, or toughest defense, most complete defense they will have faced since that game. And they'll be doing it at home. So, so let's see if they can show some progress. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see if there's any chance Bradley Sowell actually supplants Gilliam or gets rotated in at right tackle. Yeah. Um, and whether that ends up being a positive or negative, we'll kind of see there. And we'll see how the running game, if, if they can, how they can do there. But you know, this Eagles defense is legit, um, no doubt about it. But I will tell you one thing, Softy. Um, they rank 24th in the NFL in yards per carry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as good as they are up front, they do give up yards on the ground. Yeah. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see if the Seahawks can take advantage of that. On the flip side, do you know where Philadelphia ranks in terms of third down conversion on offense?
1: Uh, I do not. I would guess, but I don't want to embarrass myself.
0: Dead last. Hmm. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, the Seahawks' biggest issue on defense the past few weeks has been getting off the field on third downs. You're talking about the worst third down offense in the entire NFL coming into CenturyLink Field. A lot of these guys have never played here. The quarterback certainly has never played it here. He played at a small school in college. He may have never been in any kind of situation like this. And they're already 1-4 and four on the road And he's been declining. His quarterback, his passer rating has been dropping like a lead ball the past four weeks. So I think their offense is a problem. The hidden thing to pay attention though here, their special teams is off the charts good. They they are number one in the NFL in kickoff returns, number three in the NFL in punt returns. Yeah, so that's going to be what, something to watch for sure.
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned that because as you were talking about the Eagles' offense and some of the concerns about the game, I just had this image in my head of Tyler Lockett taking a kickback for a score mm. on Sunday. I mean, he he just feels like he's that close, man.
0: Well, um, you know, I think that there's some reason to to be confident there. The the Eagles are 21st in the NFL in net net yards per punt. So there I mean, their yep. their punt coverage is not their strength. Um, and you're right. I think the the Seahawks special teams it's kind of a hidden story. I mean, these guys like Nico Thorpe and Dewey McDonald and you know whoever else is coming around there. Kelsey McRae is not a starting safety anymore. He gets to spend more of his energy on special teams where he's a fantastic player. That's starting to become another strength of this team and, and you know could be a huge part of what's going on uh, on Sunday. Brian Nemhauser, at Blogger on Twitter, HawkBlogger.com
1: on the web. Great stuff, man. And uh, right. We'll see you Sunday, pal. Thanks, Softy. Appreciate it, man. Uh, check out the podcast every week. It's free, so uh, no financial investment needed at all on your part. We do it every week right here on 950KJR.